Good morning. I want to welcome you to Central today where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we started a journey with ancient Israel. Sounds fun, doesn't it? As the people of God traveled up to Jerusalem for feast days and holy days, they sang songs from the Psalms of Ascent. These are the songs that they would have been singing as they made their way toward Passover in Jerusalem, and this year we're going to sing with them. We're singing these Psalms of Ascent as we travel there toward, through Lent toward the Holy Week where Jesus gave His life for us on the cross and was raised from the dead in victory over sin and death itself. Every one of these songs that we will study and sing expresses some longing of the heart, something going on in life, a question of life that they bring before the Lord. And this morning's question from Psalm 122 is, what is God building? What's God building and how do I fit? Let's pray as we take our hearts to the Lord. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes and behold Jesus today. We ask, O oh Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, we ask it. Amen. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The Lord teaches the humble his way. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. When I was a kid, I loved models. Models of all types, airplanes, cars, tanks, ships, it doesn't matter. And remember those ones that were the snap together models? The pieces that come in like this arrangement of plastic and you have to pop the pieces out and follow the instructions and put them together in the right order where they fit and then voila, out pops an F4 Corsair or a P51 Mustang or a Ferrari or something else. Loved doing models. I think maybe it's a little more complicated for Isaiah's generation loves Legos. Because not only do you have to figure out the shapes of the pieces and how they've snapped together, but also the colors matter too on Legos. If you're, say, building a masterpiece like Isaiah's X-Wing fighter, the colors matter because you can't put the, the round, small, red Lego that goes on the back of the engine to make it look like it's firing. You can't get it mixed up with the round, same shape, gray one that goes on the back of the lasers. That would be all wrong. The, the shapes, the sizes, the pieces all matter. And it's, it's miraculous when all of these little things come together and they make something whole, something like that. It's amazing. We were talking about this at dinner last night at the table, and Isaiah reminded Missy and me that his mother dropped his X-Wing fighter, and it exploded into all these other pieces, and we had to work to get it put back together, but it's always harder to put it back together the second time. 
Perhaps being mesmerized over a model of Legos is a pale approximation of what David experienced when he came into Jerusalem to see what God was building. When the people of God stepped into the gates, they set foot in, into Jerusalem. It says in verse 1, they were glad. They were glad to be in the house of the Lord. Now, maybe some of you are simply here this morning. You just skip right over the glad part. You're just, just here. But if we look a little bit more deeply into what God is building, maybe we too can have our hearts filled with gladness, our hearts filled with hope and be mesmerized at what God is doing. Because seeing what God is doing in this place, in this, in this model, in this sanctified Lego project, he's fitting together image bearer of God, joined to image bearer of God, joined to image bearer of God, to make something far more beautiful than any of us ever were when we were apart. He's forming us into a body. He's forming us into the church. And when we see what God is building, it makes us glad. What about the church makes us glad. Two points for you this morning. The first one is this. We are glad when we see how all the parts make a whole. All these different parts come together to make a whole people of God. Look at verse 3. David saw Jerusalem built as a city bound firmly together to which the tribes go up. That verb, bound firmly together or closely compacted, some of your translations may have it. It was a verb that was used in Exodus chapter 26. And it described the curtains in the tabernacle as the curtains were bound closely together. They came together to fit exactly right. It's also the verb used to describe the ephod, the breastplate that the, whole, that the uh, high priest wore. And it was made of different kinds of metals and, and different gemstones. And they came together to form this exact breastplate. They snapped together. They clicked together like Legos, everyone in the right place to make something of beautiful. That's what David describes when he sees Jerusalem. It clicks into place. Everything fits. But he's not talking about uh, uh, building material. What David sees how they fit together are the tribes of Israel. What mesmerized the singers as they come into the people of God in Jerusalem, what mesmerized them was all these tribes with their distinct roles. Some tribes were, were, were priests and Levites. Other tribes had to march in front of the tabernacle in a certain way. They had jobs as to what to do to set up the camp of Israel. They all had distinct roles and they developed on their own distinct cultures. And yet when they come to Jerusalem, they see all these tribes fit together in exactly the right way. It's like Legos that snap together and make something beautiful as a whole in unity. Now that unity of God's people didn't mean uniformity, but rather in Jerusalem, every tribe would come and they would remember that they belonged to something bigger than themselves. They belong to a united people joined together, brought together in the presence of the Lord their God. It was here more than any other place that all the things that divided them from one another were laid aside as they came together under the presence and care of the Lord their God. And it wasn't always easy for them to come together. You might remember that after David's son Solomon's reign, the political unity of the tribes of Israel fractured. 
It, it truly shattered. The ten tribes in the north picked their own king and came, uh, were Israel, and then the two tribes in the south picked a different king, and these two peoples were at war with one another. They were bitter enemies, and yet... Still each year, they were called to travel to Jerusalem together to sing of how God brought them together. Now, granted, not everybody participated. Many in Israel in the north formed their own high places on Mount Gerizim. But yet they were called to come to Jerusalem, to come together to sing of how, even though they were bitterly politically divided, they were drawn together by the Lord their God. They were called to sing of, in, uh, sing of unity in God's house. They may be divided, and yet God designed all of them to click together and make this beautiful whole of God's people. It's amazing. Let me say it this way. What drew them to sing in Jerusalem were ties that bound them deeper than blood. It's deeper simply than blood, deeper than their tribe. The ties that bound them together was the Lord their God making them one. That's where the beauty of praise began to flow as they saw all these differently shaped and colored Legos of the tribes and people of God fit perfectly together as one people, as a whole, to praise the Lord. Where politics and tribal culture wasn't what mattered most all they could have all these differences and still they were drawn together to make a whole in the presence of God that's what they saw that's what they celebrated that's what they sang as they made their way to Passover every year the apostle Paul picks up on that same language to describe us New Testament Christians and to describe the church, Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22, Paul wrote, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, also you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Do you hear what God, what Paul is saying here? God is drawing us together into a dwelling place of God. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ whom he purchased by his blood on the cross. It is in the church where the Spirit joins our lives together into a dwelling place. God himself is here, and there's nowhere else on the planet where that happens. It's only in the church. You don't find that being joined together, that sense of being made one, anywhere else in the culture. It's not even most deeply true in your blood family. It's true in the church. It's not true of, of the people that are you're part of the same country club together or in the same class, even the same race, or the same vocational strata, or the same socioeconomic category. None of that is what celebrates being joined together into a united one. But it's in the church where all kinds of different people are bound together and we are stronger because we are united in Jesus. It's in the church where everybody matters. It's in the church where every gift counts. There are no unimportant people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where different people come together 
and begin to learn their own value before the Lord. This is a place for artists and engineers to use their peculiar and particular gifts and talents in service of God and his kingdom. The church is the place where rich and poor sit beside one another and learn from one another. This is the place for all kinds of sinners to be forgiven and given seats of honor. And the church is where old and young both learn from one another and teach one another. In all the ways that our world would separate us and segregate us, the Lord provides that we are bound together in his blood. All these parts joined into one glorious whole. We are that Jerusalem that fits together. Here you see how the whole, you see your fit, you see what your unique gifts and your unique talents do for the whole of God's people, not just in your mind, but in God's mind, assembling all these different people together with different gifts. I want you to know that when you're, when you're not here, when you're missing, there's something that's lost. I hope you realize that. When you're not actively here using your gifts that God has given you, it's like a part of the whole is missing. It's like the red Lego on the back of the lasers is gone. Or just the part, the, the part that forms the fuselage of the plane is just absent. When you're not here, when you're not using your gifts, we aren't whole. Every one of you has a role to be filled, designed by God, and it can't be filled by anybody else. It's designed by God for you here in this people. Because here is where he brings together people of different gifts and perspectives and passions. And the Lord provides us. He fills the gaps, fills the holes that wouldn't be here if you aren't here. Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know what your contribution to the people of God at Central is? I, I was just thinking this morning about all the different gifts and the different talents and the different abilities that, that you use to serve Jesus here. I think about the Blackmans, father and son, using their gifts of logistics. If you watch carefully at the benediction every Sunday, those two go out the back door because they're using their gifts to make sure that our parking is done well and in order, people out and people in. It's a gift that we would be, we would be diminished if it weren't for these two using their gifts in that way. Or I think about Ned Durham washing dishes in the kitchen after events. Or Vicki Tatko teaching Sunday school with excellence. Or Neil Nielsen shepherding his class year after year after year. I think of greeters and ushers. I think of Bob Dinkoff mentoring other young businessmen. I think of women and men in the choir. I think of these incredible players in the brass using their gifts here. I think of Kelsey Bullock using her gifts for drama to model and, and develop and disciple our students. I think of Shelley Milligan spending her entire adult life pouring into the lives of students in young life and now for the Carver Project at WashU. All these people using all kinds of gifts. I, I know I'm going to offend some people because I don't, didn't mention you. You're gifted too. <laughs> Do you know what your gifts are? Do you have a sense of why God brought you to Central? You're not here just by happenstance. He brought you here. And he's given you gifts to use here. Do you know what they are that you might serve? Of course, you hear people talk about the needs of the church. We need this or we need that. That's true. But what's even more true is the Lord has supplied you to meet those needs. 
The Lord supplied you with all your varied gifts to meet the needs of his kingdom here. Do you know what your gifts are? How you might serve him at Central. If you don't know, I'd love for you to set an appointment and talk to Pastor Charles or Pastor Ben. They've put together this tool called Shape. It's a tool to go through and it helps you understand the shape of how God made you, the shape of your life and how you fit in with the needs and volunteer and service opportunities here among his people at Central. They can help you figure out where you fit. They can help plug you in that you're using your gifts here. Because our prayer is that this would be a place where every member knows how they fit. Where every member knows what your gift is for the purpose of serving God's kingdom. We're glad when we come into the house of God, when we see how our lives are intertwined and designed to fit together. We shall be glad when we come in the house of the Lord and see all these parts making a beautiful whole. But it's also true when you turn it around the other way. We'll be glad when we come into the house of the Lord and see the whole, see the beauty of the church, see the beauty of God's people made of all these kinds of different parts. But it's hard, isn't it? It's challenging to make one whole out of lots of different parts, different tribes, different people, different gifts, sometimes with conflict is The tribes warred with one another. Sometimes in the church, we are at war with one another still. So what must we do? What must we do if the whole of God's people is to be counted a thing of beauty and gladness? What do we have to do if we're all being joined together, as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, as living stones being built into a spiritual house? What do we have to do if that's going to happen? Verse 6 says we need to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of God's people. Pray for the living temple of God, which is here in our church. Now, of course, we read these verses, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and it's always a good idea to pray for the physical city of Jerusalem. That place is is filled with conflict and has been for years and years and years. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but what this psalm is talking about is something deeper, giving us a vision for praying for the spiritual peace among all of his people. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Certainly the church is opposed from without. Sometimes we're attacked, sometimes persecuted or oppressed, but that's not what this psalm is talking about. What's in view here, verses seven and eight, is that we see the threat from within. Three times he says, you're praying for peace within your walls, security within your towers. I say, peace be within you. Three times he says, we need to pray for what's going on inside. We pray because we need peace within the people of God, peace within the church. And it's not easy to live together as the people of God. But we pray because these are the people we live with. These are the people we cry with. These are the people we long for the best with. We're going to spend eternity with. We pray for peace here because these are the people we love. But we also pray because the evil one loves to tear it apart. The evil one loves to destroy this beautiful work of God to make one people of God of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And the devil loves to try to destroy it from the inside. 
He loves to try to tear it apart from within. In fact, that's one of the devil's key strategies. The Lord calls us to recognize the uniqueness of how he made us all, the different parts, the different shapes and colors of the Legos that make up the church, and marvel at all that he's done to make us one, to make us whole. But the devil wants just the opposite. The devil wants us to recognize all the differences so that he can divide us from one another. The devil wants us to recognize our differences so that we would be racially divided. We would be socioeconomically divided. We would be divided by whose gifts are more valuable in the church. We would be divided by whose agenda is more important. We would be divided by whose sinful lives we count as worse than all the others, no matter that we all fall short of the glory of God. The devil desires that we would be divided by political commitments. You want to, you name it, and the devil wants us to divide over it. So we pray. We pray for peace within our walls. We pray that the Lord will enable us to honor one another with, with, with what's different about us and make us glad when we see how God has brought us together. One of the most beautiful things about Central Church, I think, is the intergenerational relationships that are here. We're a church that it, the, the, the age span crosses the generations. It's, it's incredible and it's beautiful and sometimes it's hard. <laughs> sometimes it's hard. So the Lord calls us to pray for what's beautiful about us. All these differences being pulled together, that's where our gladness is gonna come from. The devil wants us to hate each other because we're not the same. But Jesus counts that as our beauty. We're not all the same. And then he's drawn us into his church. We pray because the evil one wants to divide us, but he's not the only one. Our sin wants to do that too. When we're honest, sometimes we don't feel like we click and fit perfectly together, do we? If we are stones being built into this temple of the Lord, sometimes we're stones with sharp edges on us, with edges that have to be smoothed out and rounded down by Jesus so that we can fit together being built upon Jesus as the chief cornerstone. That's what God's building, people together like that. And this is the place where that kind of transformation happens, inside the church. The people of God who are committed together, who are bound together by the blood of Jesus, it's inside the church where Jesus does a, a transforming work and shapes us to be the kind of people who can be made one in his power and in his life. That's why he came. He came to bring peace between God and man and peace between uh, one another. He came to live a perfectly holy and righteous life that we could never live. And he's given us that record of his perfection for all the ways that we've messed up. Jesus says, I've been righteous in your place. He went to the cross that we might be cleansed in his blood. All of our conflict, all of our anger, all of our enmity toward one another, the Lord Jesus was nailed to the body, nailed into the cross in the body of the Lord Jesus. He was risen from the dead in victory over it all. Victory over all of our sin and death. He ascended to heaven and rules and reigns over all of it now. Jesus came to bring peace, to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to one another. And now he has sent the gift of the Spirit to bind us together as his body here on earth. And as we, as his people, live 
tuned into Jesus and tuned into Jesus's work, then we can become attuned to one another. I'll close with this. A.W. Tozer was a pastor and writer in the first half of the 20th century, and he wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God, he wrote this. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So also with 100 worshipers together, each one looking away to Christ are in heart closer together than they ever could be if they were to strive for closer fellowship. You hear the point? When we are tuned to Jesus, Jesus brings us together. When we are tuned to Jesus, Jesus binds us together. And when we come together, we sing with gladness, with hearts tuned to Jesus because of all that he's done to make us into a whole. Can you imagine a better testimony than that? If God can reconcile people who are politically different, who are culturally different, who formerly had animosity toward one another, if God can reconcile all those people to be closely compacted, bound firmly together, click together, side by side in worship and make us one, if God can do all of that, is there any doubt that he can heal our world? Is there any doubt that he can heal your life too? We are his city. We are his temple. We are his body, proving to the world that Jesus Christ gave his life to join us together for eternity. Broken life stacked upon broken life, just like broken brick upon broken brick. We're broken, yet redeemed lives of different shapes and colors of Legos built into the house of God. Let us be glad when we see all the parts making a whole And let us be glad when we see the beauty of the whole of all these parts. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would give us these eyes that can see what you are doing with, uh, may we see it in technicolor, Lord. May we feel bound together as central church by the work that you do to draw us together. We pray, Lord, that you would make us a people who readily use our gifts and our talents. We lay down our lives to serve one another, and may it bring us gladness as we see you, Jesus, alive and at work through our church. We also ask, Lord, that you would use us as a people of testimony, a testimony to our city, to our state, to our nation and world, that there is a God alive at Central Presbyterian Church. And he can change lives, he can transform lives, and he can put former enemies side by side, worshiping with gladness. Lord, would you write that story here in our church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.